Hey friends, my name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We're working to build a community position to experience God in daily life. Our weekly teaching is one piece of that work. So as you listen to this week's message, my prayer is that you would hear God inviting you to respond to his love and his desire for you. For more information, you can visit ridgeline.church. Well, today we're going to be in the book of Psalms. Uh, If you were here last week, we were there also. And so Pastor Ryan already gave us a little bit of context. But Psalms is located right in the middle of your Bible. So if you are uh, maybe old school, grew up in the church, if you take your Bible and you open it literally in half, is what we were told, you would likely land in the Psalms. But uh, regardless, middle of the Bible uh, will be in Psalm 142, uh, roughly the first three verses of that. But Psalms is a great, great place to be, no matter where you're at in your reading, as it tends to have a little bit of everything. We've got tragedy, comedy, encouragement, uh, as well as our fair share of sobering reminders of our sinful state. So um, nonetheless, where we're at in uh, Psalm 142, we will see David. We're going to join David uh, as he finds himself in a cave, literally a cave. It's helpful that we live in Utah and we have a little bit of a perspective of a cave, but uh, he is in a cave, uh, literally, and literally running uh, for his life at this point. Um, Again, if you recall Pastor Ryan's context a little bit for us last week, but uh, David has been anointed the next king of Israel, Uh, not because somebody has died and he's next in line and about to begin, um, but he has been told he will be the next king. Saul is the current king of Israel, and he is still very much um, in in power and has spending the bulk of his time um, putting a lot of effort toward thwarting all efforts for David, um, killing David because of his impending rise to power, ultimately is the goal of Saul. And so David is being hotly pursued. He's living nearly each moment in expectation of death. And so uh, these verses we're in today, we find that David has taken shelter in a cave. Uh, amidst this run and his, this attempt to evade Saul's pursuit. And so uh, imagine with me for a minute being David, okay? So we are in a cave. It's cold, it's dark, it's damp. That's not fun. He's alone, literally with no one and nothing else. So uh, nothing to distract him. And so relationally, this isn't ideal. And also might be a little bit hard for us to totally wrap our minds around because we can quickly and easily go to our phone, turn on our TV, go to someone else in our house or our neighbor or someone at work, anything uh, that we often do to distract ourselves when we find ourselves in an uncomfortable uh, position. And so uh, David had none of that. He had no TV, he had no phone, he had no people. Just him and the cave. And the cave that he's in greatly exemplifies his current state, dark and lonely. Uh, He's understandably in great distress, exhausted, weary, just feeling totally on empty. My guess is many of us can relate. Maybe you're in a season of life right now that has just, you know, depleted you, barely a light to show the way out. Maybe this is you right now. You're worn out by your current reality. Maybe you've got young kids uh, where the physical work of taking care of them leaves you just exhausted at the end of every day. Maybe you have older children where the physical needs are less, but uh, you find yourself walking with them through emotional struggles and the toll that that takes just leaves you awake and worry every night. 
For some of you, you might not be in the job or the location or the relationship that you fully expected to be at this point. Unmet expectations are the root of so much of our distress. The pandemic, of course, really upturned a lot uh, for most of us, and so maybe you're feeling so depleted you just don't even know now what to do or how to get out. In Pastor Ryan's recent series, we dug into the fact that many of us feel distant from God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God, and so you just don't even know where to begin. Others of us have had that connection, but our relationship has changed, and so we just feel stuck. These are our caves. What we know for certain is that these caves are certainly not just always a fleeting or momentary cave, but often they're these drawn out seasons where we feel particularly distant from God, helpless to make any change and weary from the trying. I liken this to my idea of camping. Okay, so one day in beautiful creation, which is right outside our door, is beautiful. The clothes are cute, a nice walk around a mountain is quite lovely. Uh, I don't turn down a nice fire-cooked hot dog, I think is the best way to cook a hot dog, s'mores, it's all delightful. On this day, I am the picture of outdoorsy, okay? Then the 24-hour mark hits, and like Cinderella at midnight, I turn into a total pumpkin. More than my single picturesque day of camping, and I feel like I'm trapped in Little House on the Prairie, and I'm ready to spend any amount of money for a shower and a microwave, okay? Often, our caves are like this. For a moment, we feel totally on top of it, like we are fully capable to scale whatever lies ahead of us. But one moment too long, just a moment, and we're paralyzed, too afraid to make even an attempt. What David displays for us in these verses today is how to talk to God in these caves. David shows us that ultimately what we should be praying about, what we should be talking about, is what's really on our hearts, okay? What's actually going through what we're going through in that exact moment. Uh, Pastor Ryan has phrased this question for us, what's causing me unrest today? This act of vulnerability before God brings me to our big idea. Raw prayers build real relationship. So we're going to look at Psalm 142, verses 1 through 3. It'll be on the screen, but let me read that for us. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. So in just three verses, uh, David serves as a guide to us when we're hurting in a cave with barely a cry to God. Here's why that's so great. When we're hurting, it's so disorienting and confusing. It puts us in a fog with barely light uh, to see our way out. And so, so often out of fear and in that confusion, we do nothing and we say nothing. And that's just not the right response. So let's look at David's example. Okay, first, he pleads for mercy. Let's read verse one again. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. So this verse is a plea, a beg for mercy from David to God. Let's pause for a moment to define mercy because if you read this like me, it kind of sounds like David's just whining, right? I reviewed many formal definitions of mercy and there was a common thread compassion. Compassion shown to an offender, 
a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion, a fortunate circumstance, or my favorite, compassionate treatment of those in distress. David is begging for compassionate treatment. He wouldn't ask for it if he wasn't sure that God cared. We often believe that he sees, right? But we're so unsure, does God actually care? But please don't miss something huge here. David is not begging to get out of this cave. He hasn't asked for a smooth exit. He's asking for compassion in his current condition. He wants to know God cares. That's vulnerable, right? And that's scary. And as you imagine, David, in this very vulnerable state, what we know from deeper study of these verses is that he is actually physically crying out to God, verbally expressing his need to him. You know, there's something very powerful in the physical act of vocalization. I'm not a scientist, but here's my best understanding. As we communicate out loud, we actually trigger physical changes in the brain. These neuropathways make us feel good or bad and drive our state of mind. As we communicate and build trust with others, we develop new neuropathways and strengthen existing ones. And the more we do this, the stronger those pathways become. Scientists call this the conversational IQ. And this conversational IQ helps us to express our inner thoughts and feelings to one another in ways that strengthen relationships and success. Practically, when I speak out loud to God, it slows me down. I come to terms with the actual vocabulary of my current state, and in essence, I'm forced to name for real what's causing me unrest. One way that we can practice this is through journaling or writing out our prayers. I grew up in the church and heard about journaling and its value for quiet times, but honestly, I always thought it was just a waste of time because I can think a lot faster than I can write. Uh, then my best friend in high school gave me a notebook. It was a gift, and she said that I was only to use it for my prayers, to write my prayers to God. For those that know me well will not be surprised that I was quite annoyed that I was told I could not use this notebook for my lists. Uh, however, I am also a rule follower, and she, this friend, was a huge tool in God's hand in my life, and so I listened, and I began to write my prayers. I'm a total convert. I ate my words, and I'm happy to admit that I was so, so very wrong. Let's stop for a moment and have a bit of a journaling sidebar, because I know that for many of you, when I said journaling, that triggered you. Okay, so maybe you're like me, and you feel like you can think so much faster than you can write, and so it just feels inefficient to do that, to write our prayers. But again, there's benefit in slowing down. For others of you, you might feel the start-stop tension because of you have inconsistency, and so you feel pressure to fill in the gaps between times of journal entries. Uh, but hear this, journaling is just a tool. Okay, God is always with you, has always been with you, and so he doesn't need to be reminded or caught up between entries. The point is this, externalizing what we're carrying internally. Okay, let me repeat that. Externaling what we're carrying internally. At its most basic understanding, prayer is simply talking to God. And we want to be certain that the way we talk to God is raw, 
and honest because raw prayers build real relationship. As our guide, David first shows us to plead for mercy. Next, we see him offer complaints freely. So let's look at verse two again. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. In this verse, David is practicing self-disclosure. We've been reading from the CSB version, which uses the word reveal, and that can feel a little odd when we're communicating with an all-knowing God. Uh, but many other translations use pour out, and some say tell, uh, but I like how Eugene Peterson translates in the message. It reads, I spill out all my complaints before him, and I spell out my troubles in detail. To spill out. Think about this. I don't ask you to spill me a drink, right? I ask you to pour me a drink. So to spill out has different implications. Just a few weeks ago, our kids were sharing a stomach bug, followed all too closely by a respiratory thing. Both were mild on their own, but three children times two illnesses, you do the math, it was not pretty in the Mori household. One night, midway through it all, Mike was fi uh, finishing the bedtime routine with our older boys, and I've come to take that time to myself. Uh, for whatever reason, our boys tend to do better to go down to bed with just Mike, and I don't know, less ridiculous, last-minute requests, less need for more blankets or more books. Uh, so I say goodnight and head to my bedroom to finally have some quiet to myself. On this particular night, uh, it was all I could do to make it to the bedroom and close the door before I fell to my knees and began literally crying to God for help. I was frustrated and exhausted by the seemingly never-ending illness of the week, and I just couldn't hold it together anymore. My emotions broke like floodgates, and it just all spilled out. I was exhausted, yes, but more beautiful was the deep connection I felt with the Lord in the moments following that break. He brought some clarity to mind for some of my anxiety over my kids' health, and I simultaneously felt tired from a good cry and energized by his strength. I know that this was because of my willingness to be vulnerable and honest with him. Now, for you, it might not be kids. You might not even have kids. That's fine. The point is this. We all have cave moments. You see, when we don't spill out our troubles, our complaints, we're saying to God that we can carry the load on our own or that we don't trust him to carry it. Conversely, spilling out to God is an example of our trust that our relationship can handle it, that it can handle my questioning and my complaining. Hear that again. Spilling out to God shows we trust that he can handle it. My connection to God is strengthened when I disclose. Again, it's incredibly vulnerable, and raw prayers build real relationship. To recap thus far, we have seen David plead for mercy, offer complaints freely, and finally move toward trust. Let's look at the third verse. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. David is not telling God something he doesn't already know. Okay, David isn't only speaking to God, he's also speaking to himself. He's in a sense reminding himself of truth that he knows cognitively in his brain to be true, 
but he's trying to pull his heart in also. Something we all can relate to, right? The hard part is rarely knowing the right things about God. The hard part is feeling the right things about God. Our brains can easily lock things away and hold tight for good and bad, but aligning our emotions around those things is often complicated. Notice what David is doing here. He isn't wrapping anything in a neat bow. He's not saying, God, it's hard, I know, but we got this. Instead, there's more of a settling in vibe. David is fighting to trust God, despite not having any concrete solutions directly in front of him, let alone any immediate exit from this cave. Again, I like how the message translates this verse, and it says, as I sink in despair, my spirit ebbing away, you know how I'm feeling. I'm quickly taken back to one of my caves. The night we found out we lost our first child, our daughter. Mike and I experienced a miscarriage prior to having Asher, and while the loss was fairly early in our pregnancy, at this point we had already heard and seen her heartbeat. My body did not react to the loss, and so uh, we actually didn't find out until a later appointment. Because of that, I was taken into surgery just a few hours later, as it was unsafe for my body to continue to carry the pregnancy any longer, and so what began as a day excited to hear and see our baby again quickly took the absolute worst turn possible, and I returned home that night literally empty. I vividly recall laying in bed that night, quiet tears flowing down my face, and I found myself just whispering out loud to God, I'm sad, but you know, I'm so, so sad, and yet you know. Over and over and over again, it felt, felt like I literally couldn't say anything else. I was sinking in despair and felt that all I could cling to in that moment was the trust that he knew. He knew the true depth of my sadness. He knew the breadth of my emptiness, and he knew the words I couldn't speak. For me, that was acknowledging to God that while I felt so empty and so sad and so scared, that he knew I was feeling those things. He was not unaware of my position, and ultimately he knew the greater plan. I was both and, angry and sad, but with a sliver of trust in my sovereign God. As we close this out for today, here's what I think we all have to be so careful not to miss. David is determined to relate with God. He isn't just pining away to get out of this cave. Does he want his circumstances to change? Absolutely. Does he long for God's deliverance? Make no doubt. But deliverance doesn't seem to be David's chief desire. God is. You know what I find so interesting? Most of the time, when we're in a cave, we just want out. But when God sees us in that cave, he just wants in. God is omnipresent. He is with us always. Yes, but that doesn't mean we're relating. 
Just because he's present with us doesn't mean we're listening to him. Just because he promises never to forsake us doesn't mean we're talking to him. It's hard for, under, for us to understand, but God's greatest desire in any and every season, situation, circumstance is always relationship. And the only way that we can align our desire with his is to pray raw prayers. So in your cave now, in your next cave to come, will you plead for mercy, offer complaints freely, and move toward trust? Let's pray. Father God, you know. You know whatever, whatever cave we're in right now, whatever cave we are finally coming out of, you know the caves that are to come. And Lord, we confess that it is hard. It is hard for us to trust that. It's hard for us to believe that. It's hard for us to see that. Uh, but Lord, you know that also. And so God, I just pray for all of us today that we would sit in that reality, that we would own where we're at, and that we would own that uh, relationship is the key. God, would we see that ultimately you long to be with us, to hear from us, for us to hear you. Jesus, would you go before us in these caves? Would you open our eyes, extend our lens, so that we would be able to see you, that we would relate with you? Thank you for loving us in a way that we can't even comprehend, to meet us in these caves, to be with us in these caves. And would we do our best to strive to honor you as we attempt our best efforts to relate with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.